series of on Ephesians. Um, I, I hope you've enjoyed the, the six-part thing. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I love the, the last few weeks of, of, of how we've dived in, got a bit deep. But this is the last one. Um, so we're going to be looking today at uh, strength in Christ. Um, I, I, I've been preaching since I've been 16. So, um, so it's been a few years. Um, I've also been uh, teaching in Sunday school, probably as long as that as well. Um, preaching is easy because you are nice people. You're kind people. Even when I have a duff week, you come out and still you say, oh, thank you for that. God really spoke. Um, you know I mean, kids, on the other hand, are cruel. So they, they tell you exactly what you think. I mean, they'll sit there going, oh, Steve. How are you going to be any longer? You're really boring. Can we not just play games? Have you forgotten the biscuits again? So they really can be quite tight, kids. But um, I can remember one. Um, we, we were in Sunday school, and um, we were looking at that passage where it says, love your enemies. And she looked at me, and this, this girl, she was, a, she was a handful, to say the least. And she, and she says, is that true? Do I need to love my enemies. I said, does it say it in the Bible? She said, yes. I said, if it says it, then you must do it. And she looked at me and she went, all my enemies. And I knew this girl. I knew there'd be someone that she didn't like in a group. So I knew she was firing for someone. I went, yes, all your enemies. And she went, hmm. Well, even the devil. I went, no, no, well, uh, <laughs> we'll stop that. Uh, you know what she does now? Barrister. Does not surprise me at all. We do have an enemy, and that's what we're, we're going to look at today. So um, if you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to um, uh, page 1176 in, your, in the Bibles. It's under the seats or around you, and, and we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. So Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start from verse 10. It's also on the screen. Are we ready? Good, let's read together. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that so, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are at war. We're at war. There, 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 is, there is something going on. You, you know what I mean? The, there's a battle going. You, you know, sometimes you, we can't see it. We can't hear it. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. But there is a battle going on in the heavenlies. There is a spiritual battle going on. Remember the story of um, Elisha, um, when, when, how many servants were there? and when he, it, it, God just seemed to speak in his ear all the time. And the Arameans, they, they, they had this, this army. And every time they came down to try and capture the king of Israel, um, it's, <laughs> Elisha would go up and whisper to the king, go, no, no, they set a trap here. I'd avoid that. Go that way, not that way. And it was like he was, this, the king of Aram, was getting so annoyed, so frustrated. He said, there must be a spy in the camp because every time we go somewhere, we're getting outfoxed. But someone there knew. He says, oh, there's no spy in the camp. There's no spy. 
It's, it's, it's that prophet, it's that man of God. He tells the king whenever we set a trap. He's the one who's doing this. So the king said, right, we'll do something about it. And they marched on Elisha. They had him surrounded. His little village, his little town that he was in, a place called Dothan, they had them completely surrounded. The servant woke up, looked out, and just saw army everywhere. He went and woke him up and says, oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And I can just imagine Elisha waking up, yawning, brushing his teeth, looking out the window going, ah, we're fine. We're fine. He said, how can we fine? Look at the armies. They're so vast, it's just little us. And he says, you don't see what's going on. There's a bigger army. And he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servants. And when, it, when his eyes were opened, he could see in all the hills surrounding was this vast, bigger army, the armies of God. There is a spiritual battle going on. It's been from the beginning of the Bible, it's all the way through. We have an enemy. I once, when I was at, was at college, um, that we had a big debate on, on evolution. Was evolution in the Bible? Was it true? Where did it come from? And I remember when the, uh, when the lecturer stood up and said, oh, evolution is in the Bible. And we all looked and going, really? He went, oh, yes. He says, let, let me take you on a journey. He says, in, in Genesis, he says, the devil is portrayed as a serpent. And we go, yeah. Says when you get to, to Psalms and when you get to some of the New Testament, he's portrayed like a roaring lion waiting to prowl. And we were like, yeah, yeah. He goes, you get to revolution, uh, Revelation, he's now a dragon. Evolution. <laughs> we have an enemy and he's out to get us. It's God and the devil, angels and darkness, light and, and darkness. This battle is taking place in the spiritual world. We know this, don't we? We know this. The words of Elijah, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God is with us. This is what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But it's not the only kingdom. It's not the only kingdom. There is a kingdom of Satan. There's a kingdom of darkness. Jesus taught about this. He, 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 he taught, remember, um, once he was, um, um, uh, someone had come and said, could you heal my son? And this, this, this man had, had um, he couldn't speak and he couldn't see. And it says that Jesus came and, uh, and healed them. And the crowds are like, wow, wow. Is this not the son of David? Is this not the Messiah? Is this not the one, the pro promised one? And, and the Pharisees looked up and went, no, no, no. He, he does this with the power of Beelzebub. And then Jesus says to them, if this is the power of Beelzebub, he says, why? Oh, let me see if I can get it for you. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against his health, himself. So how can his kingdom stand? Jesus admits there is a kingdom 
of Satan. There's a kingdom of God and there is a kingdom of darkness. There's a spiritual war going on. Not only has God got a kingdom, but so does Satan. Remember a few weeks ago, Danny told the story of, the, of, of um, Jesus crossing the lake, the calming of the storm. I, I love the, the very end verse on that says, there was, um, the, the, the disciples were scared of the storm, but they were terrified of the man who controlled the storm. He just imagine in darkness how frightening that could have been. And when they land the boat on the faraway shore, it gets worse. Because where did they land that boat? They land it in a graveyard. And in that graveyard, there's a man who is naked, covered in blood. That The villagers try and chain him to contain him, but no chains can hold this guy. And so when Jesus lands, he comes running down, come running down the beach to, to greet them. And he, he screams at them, Jesus, Son of the Most High, have you come here to destroy me? It's funny, isn't it? When, when the disciples have no clue who Jesus is. You know what I mean? They have a completely different idea of what Jesus is about. When, when Jesus' family have no idea what he's about, when they think he's lost his mind, the religious leaders, no idea. They think he's of Satan. The, the Romans have complete no idea. You know what I mean? They just think he's a, someone causing a, a riot. But the spiritual world always knew who Jesus was. Have you come to destroy me? Jesus asked his name and replied. And what was the name he replied with? Legion. legion. How many is in a legion? Does anyone know? A Roman legion. A thousand? 120, did I hear over here? There's between four and six thousand in a legion. Between four and six thousand. That's a lot, isn't it? He says, oh, we're a legion because there's many of us. Know this. The spiritual battle that goes on. There is many against us. That's what we learn from here. There's many against us. There's not just one or two. There is many. The other thing that frightens me about this is not so the fact much that there's, there's many, but it's the fact that they use the word legion. The word legion comes from, from the army term. We, we, we know what that means. It's a group of people. It tells us that they're organized. They're in order. They're regimented. They're marching. They're stepping in stamp. They all have one accord. You never hear of demons falling out with demons, do you? Never mentioned in the Bible that one, one rises up against another. That's more for us, isn't it? We fall out with one another. You know what I mean? We get jealous of one another. We say things sometimes in anger, and, and sometimes we mean it, and sometimes we don't. Never in the demon's world. They have one accord, and they have one mission, and their mission is to destroy you. Their mission is to knock the faith out of you, and they'll do that by any means. They'll, they'll touch the buttons that really make you angry at God. They'll destroy things like marriage. 
They'll break up strong friendships. They'll, they'll say things that will upset you, even though sometimes people don't know it. They'll do anything they can to, your, to, to break up that relationship that you have with God. They'll shake the faith out of you. We have a mar- an army marching towards us. We have an enemy. But here's the question. Will you stand? Will you stand? The second thing I want to look at is uh, we have weapons. Now, I want to show you my favorite clip, okay? But I don't want you to get upset. So if you don't like violence, just close your eyes for a few seconds. Okay, because this is... Anyone seen Indiana Jones? This is the best clip from Indiana Jones. That's all I'm saying. If you don't like it, close your eyes, okay? So here we go. <laughs> Sorry, got too excited. <laughs> Page 11777 in the Bible. It says this, Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which, with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Breathe, take that in. And now let's watch India too. It's not that in a sword fight, I'm sure the other guy would have won. If he didn't have a gun, his whip probably wouldn't have done enough. But the fact that he had a weapon, he was able to take someone down. We have weapons available to us. The belt of truth. I love this. The belt of truth. You, you know why the belt of truth is so important? You know why it's mentioned first? Because if you want to communicate with someone, it really helps if you can speak the same language, doesn't it? I, I'm going to Spain tomorrow, and I'm fine in the part of Spain where I am because it's mainly English. But if I wander up into the hills or anywhere else, I'm going to struggle. If I had gone to India, I'm sure I would have struggled with the language. How did you get on with the language? <laughs> well, yeah, you're getting thumbs up from this side it's hard isn't it it's hard to communicate if you don't know the language the language of God the language that God speaks in isn't English it isn't even English with a hint of Scottish in it it is definitely not Welsh you may sing in Welsh but it's not Welsh and it's definitely not French okay the language that God speaks is truth that's his language you will not find any other words coming out of his mouth except for truth, because that is who our God is. So why is the belt of truth important? Because it's the language of God. That's how we communicate. We need to communicate with him in truth. That's why I love the Psalms. Do you love the Psalms where David just lets rip from his heart? One minute he's screaming, shaking his fist at the God. At God. The other minute he's, he's praising him. And I just love the truth that comes from him. In good times and bad, he knows that he needs to speak the truth. So the the truth 
first, first uh, uh, thing that we, we, we have is a weapon. The second thing is this breastplate of righteousness. We need to, well, what, what's the job, job of a breastplate? I was hoping that, because that, I know uh, Scott has an, a, a suit of armor, and I thought if maybe if I had gone on a diet for six months and Scott could lend it to me, I could have put it on so you could see what it was all, all about. But the breastplate is there to, to protect your heart. Why do you need to protect your heart? Because you need to protect your heart from the whisper that you get coming from the evil forces. You're not good enough. Call yourself a Christian. Look how you live. Look what you do. We need to be protected. Protect our heart. Other thing. Um, where are we going? Sandals. I always think the sandal, sandals of readiness or that comes from the gospel of peace. We do need peace, don't we? The peace from God. Peace that he gives. The shield of faith. The shield of p- faith. What you believe affects how you live. That's when you start stepping out of faith. Then what you hear and what you believe, when it goes into action, that's faith. You know what I mean? You can know things, but unless you put your, your trust in it, it doesn't matter. Was it Blondin? Remember the, the famous tightrope uh, walker? Set, a, set a, a rope across the Niagara Falls. And, uh, and crowds turned up. This was amazing feat. Obviously, I had telly, never had telly back then. So thousands, tens of thousands watching him. And they all cheered as he walked back and forth across the falls. Then he stood up in a big voice and says, I've got a wheelbarrow. I'm going to put it on the rope. Who wants to come and sit in the wheelbarrow? Not a peep. <laughs> they were like, mm-mm, <laughs> no chance am I going in that. I think you're amazing, but no. And eventually, the only one he could persuade to get in the wheelbarrow was his manager as he walked across. Or you may believe he can do it, but the one who gets in the wheelbarrow is the one who has real faith in him. We teach. We read from the scriptures. We believe certain things, but unless you put them into action, that's when real faith happens. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. You need to protect your mind. Protect your mind from, from them whispers of doubt. Is God really real? Are you really hearing from him? Is this not all just made up? Would God really care about you if he really was a God? We need to protect our mind. That you really are saved. You really do belong to God. He really does love you. And the last thing is the the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And that's how Jesus took on the dark forces, wasn't it? When he was tempted in the desert, it was was through Scripture that he fought. Did God not, if, if you're the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? What did Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God takes him to a high place. If you're really the son of God, throw yourself off and he'll catch you. Do not put the Lord your God to test. If you worship me, 
I will give you all these powers, all these authorities over the world. And Jesus says, worship God only. And the devil fleed. We need to have a grasp of his words. But here's the cool bit. And I think this is probably, in preparation, the thing that's got me most excited. Here is the cool thing. The armor of God is Christ. You ever thought about it? Maybe I'm the only one here who's never known this. The armor of God is Christ. Look look at, oh, look at this. Let's see. The belt of truth. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. We need to put him on. He is our breastplate of righteousness. My favorite verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So in him, we might become the righteousness of God. What about uh, the shield of faith? Fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer, the perfecter of the faith. faith. For, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of God, uh, at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the perfecter of our faith. Our helmet of salvation. Titus 3, it says this, but when kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of our righteous things that we have done, because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is our helmet of salvation. He is the sword, the word of God. Remember John's beautiful words at the start of his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was was with God, and the word was God. He is the gospel, the gospel of peace. For in himself is our peace, who made the two groups. One has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility. He has made peace with us with God on our part. He is the great mediator. So we have weapons available to us. We have an enemy, we have weapons, but the question is, will you stand? And lastly, we have a God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheming and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. I used to go to a school that was possibly a mile and a half away from my home, maybe two miles, and it was a lovely walk, lovely walk. But in winter, the last part of that walk got a bit creepy because you had to go through this, this forest on the way back. In winter, the time you're getting home from school, it's getting dark, really dark. And I was the only one who lived in this part of, of, of the town who I used to hang with. So when I, when I used to walk home from school, I was fine when I was with all my mates. Then I got to a certain point in the path and all my mates went that way and I had to go this way. 
And I would walk and I'd be fine when there's a, there were the street lights, but there was a point where I had to walk up through the forest and the path zigzagged through that forest and with the wind blowing and the trees rattling, I used to get there going, I feel like there's someone watching me. And you'd start to walk a little bit quicker <laughs> and quicker and to the point where I was almost jogging and running home. But you know... I've been in scarier places, more creepy places, and it's not affected me one bit. You know why? Because it's all about company, isn't it? When I walk, when I was a child and walk through dark places with my dad, it didn't scare me. I didn't even think about it. Why? Because I had my dad next to me. Nothing could touch me when he was there. It's all about company. What is it Jesus said to us? Oops, oh, I missed that bit. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Um, Matthew 28, uh, verse 20. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Whatever's going on, whatever you face, however much it gets dark, however tough it gets, he is with us every step of the way. If he's with us, then we've got nothing to fear. Greater is he who is with us than those who are in the world. Greater is he. I always wondered, David, going down to face Goliath. You know, everyone else was shaken with fear, wasn't it? This giant of a man appeared and started to scream insults at at the Israelites, and they all started to hide, hide and duck. The thing that wind, what winds me up about the story is the Israelites, when it came to, to their king, remember they came to Samuel and says, look, we, we don't want a God, who, a God to be our king because he's invisible. We want a king we can see. We want a king who will go out and fight our battles for us. We want a real living king. And Samuel's like, you're crazy. You've got a real living God. And so when it comes to this battle, when this giant comes out, where is the tallest man in the land? He's hiding in his tent. He doesn't go out to face him. And David turns up and there's something stirs within him. And he says, oh, I'll go. I'll go. And as he walks down, I'm thinking, he's a child. He's probably a teenager. And he's walking down and there's no fear. Why is there no fear? Because he knows who walks with him. You know, in the dark days, the days that we don't read in the Bible about David, the days when he's looking after sheep and, and lions are coming, he has to fight them off, and bears are coming to take the sheep, he has to go and get them, and say, from the clutches of the bear's mouth, he goes after them. In the tough days, the tough days that we don't read about, he learned to trust in God. We have tough days. We have tough days where things don't go our way. We have tough days when our heart breaks. We have tough days where we question what's going on. And these days are shaping us for the days to come when we know we can make a stand. It's preparation. He walked out. And in God had him ready. God had him ready. You couldn't miss 
Some used to say, you know what I mean, David was so small and Goliath was so big. How, how could he do it? And in my viewpoint, Goliath was so big. How could he miss? God had been preparing him for that. Know that in the dark days when things aren't going wrong. Maybe he's preparing us. Most of the time, when God asks his people do, to do stuff for him, they don't do much at all. I love the story of Gideon. What did Gideon do? Nothing, really. Gideon turned up and hiding in a, in a wine press, hiding there because he was scared of an army. And, and God turns up and says, oh, mighty warrior. And he's like, no, wimpo. I mean, I'm from the, from the, the weakest family in the weakest clan. Don't come out calling me mighty warrior. I'm not that. But God had a plan. I'm going to use you to do something amazing. And you don't really have to do anything at all. He said, oh, don't I? He said, I want you to gather an army. 300,000 are coming against them. And he manages to gather an army of 30,000. You think, well, one in 10, that's not bad odds, but... I think you're going to lose. And God goes, no, 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 no. You've got too many. Ask those who are scared to go home. 20,000 go home. Can you imagine? <laughs> 10,000 are left. Going, That's great. Odds have just gone up. And then he goes, oh, God says, you've still got too many. Ask them to go and take a drink. Go and take a drink, yeah. Take a drink. And as he, take, he said, some scoop it up like dogs. You don't want them. Some take it in their hands. And the numbers go down and down. And eventually it says he only has 300 men. And that's exactly how many he needs. He's got 1% against of what the army's coming. And he gives them trumpets and torches. All they've got to do is stand. And at the right point, God says, blow your trumpets and light the Smash the thing that reveals the light. And at the right point, they do. They blow the trumpets, smash the things. And all the way around this massive army on the hilltops, all these lights come on and trumpets start to blow. And in the darkness and in the fear, they start to kill each other and run off. They have the victory and all they had to do was stand. And you can look at the Bible and you can find loads of stories exactly like that. Joshua, not Joshua, Jehoshaphat. All he had to do is go out and praise God. They start to fight. It's like... God asks us to stand. We have this God. You know what I mean? Who, who's with us? He's got us. We can trust him. He's bigger than anything that comes against us. All we've got to do is stand. The question is this. We have an enemy. We have weapons. But we have a God. The question is, are you prepared to stand? Will you stand? That's what he asks. Will you stand? question this morning is these things can scare us, these spiritual forces, but they're nothing when it comes to our God. Nothing. Will you stand? I can ask you to stand and let's pray. So we are your people, Father, stood here before you. Simple people. Ordinary people but we trust in you. So we take a stand against the, the darkness, against this evil force. And uh, 
we stand trusting in you, trusting that you've got our backs. And whatever comes before us, may we fight for you. So look out for us, protect us, keep us safe, but help us to make a stand. For I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Make a stand. Don't just go with the flow, but have a faith that's real, a faith that you put into action. Just stand. That's what God's asking you to do. Will you stand?